This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Tuesday edition of the Round Ball Stew podcast. I am your host, Ryan Knaus. There is no one with me as of yet, but I will be joined shortly by Zach Hanchu to break down some action for Monday's games, look at some betting lines and some rest of season outlooks for some key players. All of that coming up in just a little bit. Again, Zach Hanchu, my guest, should be here soon, but we can actually hear from him right at the top of the show because he took over for Steve Alexander last night and wrote our Pickup of the day from Monday's games. So again, courtesy of Zach Hanchu. Isaiah Jackson was his pick. He writes, who else? Ijax has been a fantasy hoops darling in recent weeks due to his per-minute production and fantasy-friendly skill set. He made his first start Monday and provided a 26-point, 10-rebound double-double with two blocks over 29 minutes of action. Most impressive, he did not commit a turnover or a foul after struggling to stay out of foul trouble in each of his last five contests. Indiana is sure to make moves ahead of the upcoming trade deadline, and Jackson could be a prime beneficiary. He's got league-winning upside, and if he's still on your waiver wire, he is the priority add. Now, DeMontis Sabonis was out for health and safety protocols on Monday. O'Shea Bursett was a late scratch with a right ankle injury, and Goga Batads remains out with a sore right foot. So all of that set the stage for a blank slate front court. I didn't even mention Miles Turner, who was out with a long-term injury. So it was Jackson's front court to lose, more or less. But as Zach pointed out, foul trouble had been a major headache. He was fouling like crazy. I think his per 36 minutes, he was averaging seven fouls per game, I looked up. So the fact that he could avoid a single foul was extremely impressive and absolutely critical for his fantasy value. You know, just a really impressive overall performance. The guy is a bundle of energy. It's part of the reason he gets into so much foul trouble is because he wants to be everywhere all at once and in doing so collides with other people. But he's going after block shots. He gets a lot of them blocks, you know, per minute. One of the huge reasons why why we've been high on Jackson and touting him as a potential pickup right from the jump, basically, because the Pacers, I believe it was a report in The Athletic where they really sort of painted Isaiah Jackson as an borderline untouchable player in trade talks. You know, they said they might be packaging whomever, Karis Levert with Miles Turner, whatever the package might be. Malcolm Brogdon's been mentioned. So bonus for the right price, potentially. But Isaiah Jackson in all those talks seemed to be sort of set aside, cordoned off. And we're seeing a bit why. And after the game, I believe the opposing coach, Ty Lu, said that Isaiah Jackson basically made the game, turned things around. They just couldn't handle him. And Rick Carlisle, after the game, said, quote, when we talked about Isaiah Jackson in the draft, this is what we were talking about. And this is a dimension this team hasn't had. Now, that those words resonate for me because you think about, well, all the injuries that I just mentioned, no Sabonis, et cetera. But when you're head coach of a disappointing, underperforming team that's headed toward the draft or trade deadline, rather, as a 
primary team likely to make moves and your head coach is saying that you're bringing a dimension the team has not had before a team that's already basically said this guy's untouchable in trade talks that sets up beautifully so minutes should be there for jackson now whether he'll share the court with demontis sabonis i'm not sure we'll bring in the aforementioned zach hanchu to discuss just that zach hello how are you i'm doing good man how are you that's good. I'm glad you joined in. I, I had to get things started without you. You know, I may have fumbled the intro. I, who knows? But you're here now. Things things will settle down. We, <laughs> we've we already heard from you, Zach, by proxy, because I read your pickup of the day for Isaiah Jackson. That's where we started off. And that's where we still are. So you haven't missed very much. All right. <laughs> I was just I was just getting up to, you know, we know about Jackson's block shot blocking potential. I mentioned how huge it was that he stayed out of foul trouble you know, and unexpected, really. Now, Jackson and Sabonis have shared the court for a total of seven minutes this season, but DeMontis Sabonis is around 50-50 split for minutes at power forward and center. So do you expect to see these two guys sharing the court, or do you think it's kind of a timeshare situation? I don't know. I don't know how to lean right now. I mean, so you would have thought Jackson would have had a lot more run at this point, but really it took just everybody in front of him being out for him to see all these minutes. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, we've definitely seen yeah. that jumbo lineup work, right? The, you know, the Cavs are doing it. The Pelicans did it last night to combat the Cavs. So I definitely think that's something that could work. You know, a Sabonis and Jackson front court would be awesome to see. I, I don't know. I, I just don't see it happening. I think it's probably going to be more of a of a timeshare type of thing, if I had to say. Mm. Disappointing words from Zach, but no, I <laughs> I understand what you mean. And honestly, it's not the end of the world. It, you know, we're recommending Isaiah Jackson as a pickup. I still stand by that because for one thing, Sabonis could be gone at the deadline. Yep. Um, he does seem like the most likely guy to stay out of that front court. But even if he is there, you know, maybe we see some, you know, throw caution to the wind and try out different lineups as the season progresses where we do see Jackson and Sabonis. And even if not, you know, Jackson doesn't need a ton of time to hit value in eight cat, nine cat. So for all the reasons stated and probably more that we haven't mentioned yet. Uh, yeah, I, I, I love Jackson. We've spent plenty of time talking about him. I could spend the whole episode on it, frankly, but before we go any further down that rabbit hole, a reminder that the NFL postseason is here and NBC Sports Edge Plus is giving you a special offer. You can get 15% off an Edge Plus annual subscription throughout the playoffs when you use promo code PLAYOFF15. Get every single tool for every game at one low price. It's easier than ever to play and wager with confidence when you have NBC Sports Edge Plus. And they did throw in the word wager there, so that's critical. We have all of our uh, betting tools in addition to DFS and season long all in one place. So quite the value. All right, let's move on to Philly. There's some more action for Monday. I'll talk about now. Joel Embiid got a rest day on Monday. That predictably led to Andre Drummond going off 16 points, eight of 11 shooting 23 rebounds. If I wrote that correctly, five times, three steal or three blocks and two steals in 43 minutes. You know, this doesn't change anything, obviously. We kind of know what Drummond is. He's a must-stream, must-play DFS guy when Embiid is out. Personally, I'm shocked that he's rostered in over 60% of Yahoo leagues because there's so little value there when Embiid is healthy. But I guess people view him, you know, as a, a nice pairing for Embiid. Does Now, I assume this doesn't move the needle for you on Drummond at all, but does it worry you at all that Embiid was rested in what was not a back-to-back -back situation, Zach? <sighs> 
Yeah, man. So I think Drummond is doing exactly what we thought he would do, right? He's one of those kind of, he's a little bit above a luxury stash, but he's kind of in that realm of a guy that could be a lottery ticket if Embiid's forced to miss time. And that's why you drafted him. You know what you could do. But I think that's why Philly brought him in, right, is to give Embiid some time off so he's not just handling this massive load night in and night out. And they can be they won last night against a good team. Yep. They can be comfortable doing that and giving the reins over to Drummond, you know, because Embiid has played 21 straight. He's scored 25 points in 17 straight. And I'm, if I'm not mistaken, he leads the NBA in usage for players over a thousand minutes. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is a guy that's broken down early in his career. So, of course, Drummond is, um, yeah, it doesn't move the needle for me. And I think the rest day was a planned rest day. I think that was maintenance just to give him a little breather. Averaged almost 35 points a game since Christmas. So definitely doesn't move for me. And just to throw something out real quick, I know you mentioned Drummond is a maybe a must stream or must play in DFS when Embiid is out. Just something I wrote this down just because I thought it was interesting is Drummond uh, on the road this year in starts, seven starts on the road, 6.1 points, 10.9 rebounds, 1.9 stocks in five starts at home, Mm. 13 points, 19 rebounds and four stocks. So in my opinion, he's, yeah, he's definitely a home play for DFS and needs those pregame cheesesteaks to get them, get get them fired (laughs) up. That's right, man. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, maybe a pivot, maybe uh, something to differentiate on the DFS slate if he's playing on the road, just a, just a tip. I like that. And I mean, as you mentioned, this was obviously a planned prescribed rest day. There's no cause for concern. And as a fantasy manager, yeah, it stinks that Embiid sat out but I think he has three more games remaining this week. And Mm -hmm. given the tear that he was on and his injury history, as you've mentioned, it's not the worst thing for him to get a day off and an extended block of rest. Like I'd much rather have an inconvenient DMP than continually rolling the dice on him playing huge minutes night after night. You know, if there's any sign of wear and tear, which maybe that's what Philly saw. So yeah, I'm I'm fine with it. And it also, you know, from both a team development point for Philly it allows Tyrese Maxey to just kind of take on a bigger mantle because MB does in fact lead the NBA in usage, almost 37% usage. So when he's on the court, everyone else is playing a much different role than they might without him. It's nice and it's good for player development and team development to have Tyrese Maxey score 33 points like he did last night. To have Tobias Harris step up with 31 points and just have different players step into different roles. So yeah, all positive things there. Also on Monday, we had Desmond Bain, who went off for a career-high 34 points. Amir Coffey scored 27 points with a full line. Gary Trent Jr. had nine three-pointers. I believe that was also a career-high on his way to 31 points and more. All three of those players should come up. We're going to talk a little bit later about some uh, betting awards. I think all three of those guys will come up. But let's talk for now about some rest-of-season outlooks. Well, we'll start with Amir Coffey, since we just mentioned his name. 27 points last night on 9 of 14 shooting, 4 of 4 from the line, 5 of 9 from deep, Zach. He had 5 boards, 4 dimes, you know, full line, a steal, a block, and just 1 turnover. No other Clipper was above 31 minutes. That was Reggie Jackson. But Coffee played 35. So what, what, what do you view here rest of season? Now, Coffee has been gobbled up off the wire in most leagues. But let's say you're looking to make a trade, and you're in a 9-cat league, and he's been a very well-rounded, solid value. Are you trusting that rest of season or are you looking at him 
a little bit askance because of Paul George and even potentially Kawhi Leonard returning later this year? Yeah, so uh, personally, I don't think Kawhi Leonard or Paul George returns this year. It's just a uh, just a gut feeling. Um, I don't see the reason to rush those guys back at all. I don't see this team making a deep playoff run, even if they're both back again. Just a just a gut feeling there. But I think we've seen enough from Coffee, right? So he's a top 70 guy over the last 30 days. That's a 16-game sample size. Mm-hmm. You know, good threes, good percentages. Uh, you know, he gives you some high-scoring nights sometimes and low turnovers for a guy that's, you know, that's scoring the ball as much as he is. So a lot to love about Coffee. I honestly, the Clippers are—they're one of the worst fan, overall fantasy teams in basketball, just from you know top to bottom roster. And <laughs> I, I, I mean, there, there's just not a lot of guys to love on that roster, right? So, you know, Coffee—it seems like—is starting to pull away a little bit in terms of somebody that can give you consistent value every single night. So yeah, I think uh, top 70 maybe be, maybe is a little bold, but is he going to be a top hundred guy the rest of the season? That's, I mean, that seems like an easy bet to me. Yeah. I'm right there with you. And I love, it's funny. You mentioned how the Clippers don't have much reliable, fun fantasy value in your right. Like Reggie Jackson's been kind of a disappointment after the postseason last mm-hmm. year. Evita Zubats, I kind of had pegged as like a cheap, you know, flyer center who could do better than he, yep. but he's been disappointing. So lots of guys fall into that category. One thing about coffee that I love to your point about his, you know, his role and how it probably is sustainable is that he's played about half of his minutes at small forward, maybe a little over mm-hmm. half. But he's also getting 20 plus percentage of his minutes at power forward and 23% at shooting guard. This is all according to cleaning the glass. But that ability to play three different positions is going to help him immensely, especially if and when a guy Mm -hmm. like Paul George does return. So I'm with you top 100. I wouldn't be too much more bullish on him than that. Who else you want to talk about Davion Mitchell? I'll let you kick it off there. Yeah, man. So Davion Mitchell, um, I... It's, it's not guaranteed that the Kings are going to make a big splashy move at the trade deadline, but I think a, a lot of the rumblings, you know, kind of the where there's smoke, there's fire type of thing. I think they're going to end up moving some player mm-hmm. of significance before the deadline, whether that be Buddy Heal, De'Aaron Fox, Harrison Barnes, whoever that might be. We've seen Mitchell start over the last three games, and I mean, man, he's doing exactly what we were thinking he would do right coming out of Baylor three and D type of play. He's been scoring the basketball. Well, at least 15 points in three straight five assists in three straight getting you some of those defensive numbers that you like, and at least two triples in all three of those games as well. So as long as he's continuing to carve out a, you know, kind of a, 27 28 minutes a night and even beyond you know i think again a a top 100 season for him rest of the way is certainly within the realm of possibility i like that i i've mistimed my davion mitchell pickups a couple times throughout the year thinking thinking all right (laughs) yeah his minutes are trending up to mid-20s here we go and it just hasn't happened minutes dip back down Two things that he has addressed somewhat recently that have worried me about his fantasy profile is the offensive inefficiency, which I think will continue to be a headache, frankly, the rest of the way, hopefully not as bad as it's been, because he's been sub 40% from the field, 31% from deep and below 60% from the line, a problem that plagued him prior to the NBA as well. So, you know, if percentages, you know, if you're an eight cat, nine cat, be aware that he's probably going to hurt you there. And then the other thing was his real world defense. And I've said this before, but for a guy with the nickname off night, his defense, although it's 
stellar still in reality he's only generating 0.7 steals and 0.3 blocks in 25 plus minutes per game so those are not the numbers that i was looking for but he had two blocks last night mm-hmm. you mentioned the shooting has been more efficient since he's gotten more minutes so maybe it's just a matter of comfort level knowing that he's going to you know longer stints on the court whatever gets him into rhythm so we've seen him really step up and to me he's a solid pickup right now because you've got fox still ailing as you said he's on a three-game stretch of strong performances and the trade deadline's only nine days away sacramento is going to do something now whether they move fox or halliburton remains to be seen my guess would be halliburton is completely off limits and fox you know maybe potentially available now even if they're not in the ben simmons talks anymore However you dice it, it seems worth holding on to Mitchell for nine more days. So Absolutely. I am with you there. Malik Monk, that's another interesting name to throw out there. Without LeBron James, he's been solid. 14 games without LeBron, I believe 13 of those were starts. He's averaging nearly 14 points, two and a half threes, three boards, three dimes, almost a steal. Not very different from his typical numbers, but even off the bench, he's been good. So is this a situation where you see him getting better as the season goes on? What, what's your view of him rest of season? I don't know necessarily that he's going to be better the rest of the season. I, I think he definitely will, you know, have a bigger role offensively if LeBron is going to remain out for a little bit of time. Uh, but I think just his overall body of work this season, you know, his he's shooting the best mark of his career by far. You know, in Charlotte, I, I always kind of mm-hmm. viewed him as like a Terrence Ross type of guy where he would just get hot and cold, he would explode, and then he would kind of disappear. Um, and I think part of that is due to the inconsistency in minutes, right? So this year, 26 and a half minutes a game, he has a really solidified role with this Lakers team that's, uh, you know, kind of lacking some explosive scores. And I think he definitely fills that void for them. Um, And the efficient shooting has led to career high in points. Um, He's career highs pretty much across the board. Mm -hmm. Um, And that efficiency that kind of dinged him in Charlotte throughout his, you know, four years with them you know, he's a top 120 player this year and top 60 over the last month. So I I think those big changes uh, definitely have made him sustainable for the rest of the season. And again, I I hate to keep using top 100 as a benchmark, but I think that's a reasonable assessment for him. Oh, it's a great benchmark. Great benchmark to have. (laughs) Yeah. And he's just as good in points leagues, if not slightly better because of the the counting stats and any Mm -hmm. inefficiency doesn't hurt you. But that's an interesting point about was it the player who was inconsistent or the role that was inconsistent in Charlotte? Yeah. And not all players are cut out to just come in and immediately hit the ground running. But yeah, we've seen impressive play from Monk this season. I think the Lakers got him on a minimum contract. Might be one of one of their few. Steal. Yeah, one of their few good offseason moves. Right. They, they accidentally got someone under 33 years old. So <laughs> good for them. Good for Monk. They didn't play on Monday, but this is a good time to tie up a loose end on yesterday's pod. There was uncertainty about LeBron James's timeline, how long he might be out. Shams Trania is now reporting that LeBron is doubtful to play Wednesday and he's going to remain out until his knee has no more swelling, etc. So it does in fact look like he could be out for, if not long time, at least a week or, or more. But right now, he's simply doubtful for Wednesday. But again, that sets up Malik Monk for yet another strong game. So one more reason to go get him. Mm -hmm. Now, the Lakers did not play on Monday, so that was just a bonus. But um, (laughs) Gate and the Heat did play. Vincent had 10 points, 9 dimes, 2 steals, and 2 three-pointers. Yet another start. 
And he's a guy, so I view this as a enjoy it while it lasts situation. Yeah. However, it's lasted a shockingly long time, Zach. <laughs> I picked yeah. up I picked up Vincent a couple times and I drop him and I'm like, the guy just doesn't go away. I'll pick him back up again. Because oh. uh, Jimmy Butler can't stay healthy. Kyle Lowry can't stay on the court. He's now out for personal reasons. But yeah, do you like Gabe Vincent? I mean, again, to me, I think it's as soon as those two players I just mentioned are back, Vincent's no longer rosterable in a 12-team league. Yeah, to me. exactly. I, I kind of feel the same as you do, but it has been, it's been a nice surprise that he's been, he's been like a top 90 guy over the last, uh, you know, 10 or so games. So you've gotten, you know, two or three weeks of good production out of him. And we saw last night, right? Nine assists when Lowry and Butler were out of mm-hmm. action. So, um, you know, Lowry being out, Butler has, I think he's got like three triple doubles over his last seven or eight games. He's been the primary facilitator, which leads to now Gabe Vincent when he, uh, when Butler's out getting that role. And we saw a little bit more from Bam Adebayo as well, but Vincent is going to be the primary facilitator in those instances. And yeah, like you mentioned, Butler hasn't been able to stay on the court. Lowry hasn't been able to stay on the court. So uh, yeah, when those guys are out, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get a top 90, top 80, 90 guy and plenty of assists and maybe some triples, uh, some points, some decent free throw shooting. Yeah. A lot to like about Vincent, some steals as well. Yeah. Strong numbers might as well have him on a roster, but unlike the three guys we talked about previously, I don't think it sounds like neither of us love his staying power. So yeah, if you're looking to fill those bottom couple spots on your roster and you're solid headed toward the, your fantasy playoffs, Maybe Vincent's not the guy you want in those final couple spots. Maybe you want to gamble on a little bit more post-trade deadline upside, that kind of thing. That would make sense to me. And let's not forget, we're going into week 16. We've got only a handful of weeks left before the fantasy playoffs begin. So it's coming up really quickly. And if your team is in ninth place in your league and you're struggling to win, then yeah, pick up a guy like Vincent who's who's going to give you short-term value. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't afford to wait on the upside of a... Davion Mitchell or whoever might benefit post uh, trade deadline. It's time to make those moves. And conversely, if you're at the top of your league, you know that the players at the bottom are getting a little, a little desperate. So float some trade offers. You never know. All right. Before we move on to a final quick section, talking some betting, I wanted to discuss news from this morning, Zach, that Jeremy Grant will be returning from his right thumb injury versus the Pelicans on Tuesday. He rehabbed in the G league for a while. So should have his conditioning back. It was just a thumb injury. So not too worried about minutes restrictions or setbacks, things like that. Uh, you know, keep an eye on his shooting efficiency, but with Grant, that's always a concern. So it'll be hard to tell if the thumb was the cause. Just first reactions. Is this, do you have him on any rosters? You're looking forward to getting him back and then get into a bit of the trade aspect. Cause we know that Grant is one of the primary trade options. And is that a good thing or bad thing going into the deadline? Yeah, so unfortunately, I don't have him on, or maybe maybe that's fortunately, I don't have him on any rosters. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I expect him to, uh, I expect him to probably do exactly what he did at the beginning of the year. He's a top 45, 50-ish type of guy, plays a huge role for the Pistons, which we know. Um, I, I'm kind of surprised that he's looking for a big contract and a, a sub, you know substantial offensive role elsewhere because. That's why he came to Detroit. They're paying him $20 million a year. His usage is um, right. you know, 27%, something like that. So where is he going to go that's going to be better than that, um, to your point there? I wrote down some names just 
thinking about where he might end up and who might be buying. The names that I came up with were Blazers, Jazz, Kings, Bulls, and Hawks. And, you know, realistically, if he gets traded to any of those teams, the outlook is going to be worse. Any team that's going to trade for him is likely going to have, you know, uh, one or two already ball dominant players on the roster. So I, I don't know. I think his outlook is the best if he remains in Detroit, but it just doesn't sound like that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I'm with you. I think any trade hurts, really. But then again, the Pistons are a very bad team. <laughs> They're not getting much better. So, yeah, yeah I, I just I can't see him on the roster after the deadline. Put it that way. If he but if he does stay on the Pistons yeah. roster, then maybe they just shut him down at a certain point, knowing that, hey, we don't want him to get hurt again. We can always trade him in the offseason or early next year. So I'd be very worried if he's in Detroit past the trade deadline. That's my concern. Not that his usage or anything wouldn't be robust. They would. But will he be on the court in mid to late March when you really need him? That I wouldn't be certain about. So, you know, as someone who does have Grant kind of regrettably on a couple lineups, I am hoping (laughs) for a trade and just fingers crossed that a team like Sacramento or Portland give that to me all day. Like put, put him on a bad team where they want to see what he can do alongside their other players. So even if it's a lost season, there's incentive to play him because they want to try out different lineup combinations, something like that. Sure. But trade him to a good team and the usage plummets for an already inefficient player, not great. Right. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right. If you haven't already, download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet and enter this Wednesday's completely free NBA pick and roll contest for a chance to win $50,000. That's if you get eight questions right. They're multiple choice, so it <laughs> should be doable. This week, we're highlighting matchups between the Wizards and Sixers, Hornets and Celtics, and Cavs and Rockets. So if you do not have the Predictor app yet, download it now. All right. We'll close out here, Zach. I know you want to talk some betting. We'll talk some real-world betting odds. We'll tie in some fantasy value along the way. We have been doing some mid-season awards videos with Matt Straub, Corey Parson, and Vaughn Dalzell. If you haven't seen those yet, check them out. They're on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube page. You can also find them on Twitch. 
Uh, but let's jump right in, Zach. I'll let you kick things off with, I assume, MVP. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty interesting. You know, for the first time in a while, Joel Embiid, uh, at least the first time that I've seen, is the clear favorite to win MVP over Jokic, Giannis, Steph, John Morant, and others. And we've already kind of talked about Joel Embiid, just how dominant he's been recently. But he's one of the few players this year that you can really point at and say, man, when that guy is on and off the court, there is just a huge difference in the way the team performs. So I I think that getting him right now, uh, I think he should be the favorite to win MVP. He was runner-up last year. I think it'll come down to him and Jokic once again this year, but I think Embiid ultimately wins the award. What say you? I agree. I'm kicking myself because I'm looking back at points bets live odds through through the season and as recently as late december joel Embiid's mvp odds were plus over four thousand. so if you bet a bet 100 bucks he would have won 4k if he wins the award i definitely think he's the favorite it really depends to me on whether philly keeps winning games if they're doing well then forget it joel Embiid is the mvp he's just such a beast i mean Phillies win without him last night notwithstanding as you said this is just a much worse team without joel Embiid on the floor He's been unstoppable lately. You watch games, teams are sending three defenders at him every time he touches the ball, or at least as soon as he puts it on the floor, and yet they cannot stop him. He's just taking those fadeaway jumper. Like, he's got too many moves in his bag. It's unbelievable. And defensively, like, he's not a one-way player. He still gets it done, rim protection. Maybe not. He might take some possessions off, but hey, the guy's putting in a a lot of energy on the offense. So I'm with you. I think he's the favorite. I know John Morant for a while was running hot. He might have been the, the favorite at one point, but he has since fallen off. Yep. I think the injury took some wind out of his sails. Jokic is right there. Giannis is right there. And then Steph is currently fourth in MVP odds. But yeah, I'd put my money on the favorite Joel Embiid. I think that's a, a safe bet. I'd be surprised if Jokic repeated as a player whose defensive flaws were overlooked last season. But I feel like vo- voters would uh, pummel him this year. Could be wrong. <laughs> All right, let's talk a little rookie of the year who you got now that this has come up recently and i know you've got some thoughts on evan mobley still easily leading the pack as a minus 270 favorite for rookie of the year yeah so mobley's minus 270 kate is plus 600 uh i mean that's just a ridiculous disparity in odds right there you know i recently did a parlay bet for all these awards and i took kate you know right off the bat just because Yeah, I I think he's trending in the right direction. I think Mobley, while still excellent, has actually kind of been trending, you know, in the opposite direction recently. He's kind of cooled down a little bit after that hot start. And Cade, you know, started the season injured, started the season shooting like 2% from the field and is just He's been awesome recently. He had a triple-double the other night. Um, he's scoring. He assists, rebounds. Um, you know, he's been solid on defense. You know, he can hit threes. So I think he's really trending in the right direction. I think, you know, teams winning. Obviously, Cleveland is far shattering expectations of what anybody thought they would do this season. So I think Mobley gets a big edge there. But I think just overall play, I think mm. by the end of the season, Cade will come out on top. Um, and as if we're talking real world and fantasy, Kate has also flipped the script in fantasy too. You know, he's overtaken Mobley as the top rookie yep. performer this year in fantasy. 
Yeah. And one thing to point out too with this award in reality is that, you know, unlike MVP where, you know, victories are obviously hugely important, mm -hmm. I think rookie of the year is graded on a different curve. And your team's win-loss record isn't the be all end all. And, you know, a player like Cade could be on a terrible team, but that's the expectation for top draft picks who are drafted to the worst teams in the league typically. Mm -hmm. So as long as he's putting up completely gaudy stat lines and, you know, being the best player on the court most nights, yeah, he could definitely overtake Mobley, who, to your point, has cooled off. I wanted to go a little bit lower on that list of Rookie of the Year and talk, you know, Jalen Green is at plus 6,000. Personally, you know, I'd shovel some dirt on his chances to possibly come back here, but that's possible. So I wanted to just ask about fantasy for Jalen Green. Do you see a path back for him? The percentages have been so brutal and the lack of supporting stats so stark I, that, you know, I was pretty high on him coming into the season. I was woefully mistaken there. I'll own that one. Yeah. Do you see a path back? I've kind of written him off at this point as a rookie. Yeah, I think a lot of us were, I mean, myself included, I had him as a top 100, you know, 100 to 120 type of guy, fantasy relevant for, you know, 12 yeah. team leagues this year. And he's been, he's been terrible. Mm -hmm. So have, I mean, so have a lot of Houston Rockets that, like you said, there's no support team is heading towards a high, you know, lottery pick again this year. The shooting percentages for rookies, I mean, that's not really unheard of or a huge deal, especially with Cade, you know, shooting, I think, 41, 42 percent this season. But it's just a lack of, you know, what else does Jalen Green bring to the table? I, I think coming into the season, we all kind of expected, man, he's going to be he could be one of the best offensive players in this draft. So you're looking at scoring and threes and those alone have buoyed a lot worse players to much higher fantasy value. You know, guys like Duncan Robinson or Bojan Bogdanovich who bring mm -hmm. you just those couple of things. But Jalen Green, he doesn't really bring much else to the table. So couple that with the inefficiency and the poor game script. And yeah, it's a recipe for disaster. I've I've totally written him off. Okay. There you, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> It's unfortunate, but true. I mean, 37% from the field, and we, we've seen little yeah. glimmers of of who we thought he could be and who he, who he glimpsed in the G League, but just hasn't managed to put it together. Partly, probably an awkward fit with Kevin Porter Jr. There's a lot more we could get into, but yeah. point being, it's, it's not looking good. All right, let's talk right. one final award here. Do you want it to be most improved or defensive player? What's, what's your choice? Oh man, let's go. Let's go for defensive player. I think this will. All right. We'll, yeah, we'll give a little love out to Jonas Nader for one of his guys here. I love it. So, who, who would that be? L lead us in. That would be Triple J, who currently sits at. Of yeah, of course. Currently sits at plus one thousand here. He is fourth on points bet behind Giannis, Rudy Gobert, and Draymond Green, the three guys that we all expect to be right there in the running. You know, Triple J is. So he leads the league in total blocks this season. I think he is, I had this written down earlier, but don't know what I do with my paper. I think he's fourth in, in steals. So he's just having a, a massive season as far as defensive numbers. He's on pace to set Grizzlies records for most blocks. So I think him at plus 1,000, I think those are definitely good odds. You know, Draymond Green has missed time. Rudy Gobert has missed some time. I don't know if Giannis is going to get the award again. You know, just that repeat factor. So I I, I think Triple J at plus 1,000 is, um, 
he's probably the best bet that, uh, you know, is outside of those regular mm-hmm. guys. So he's a guy that I'm targeting there if I'm looking to make a bet. Yeah, I'm, I was a little surprised to see Draymond Green as a clear favorite, plus 110, Rudy Gobert second yeah. at plus 225. To me, it's kind of like a reputational thing. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. Draymond's a great defender. He's having a bit of a bounce back season, but still... I mean, he's been hurt. And I also think Golden State having the number one defense in the league is a huge reason. You look at, you know, who's the best defender on the best defensive team. Okay, maybe they win the award. But JJJ has an otherwise not great Memphis team. They're now top 10 in defensive rating, I believe. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and you just see what he does out there on a nightly basis. Very impressive, covers a ton of ground. He can defend. What's increasingly important is that ability for bigs to d- defend in space, to be able to jump out, you know, get in, get a hand up at a shooter and still recover to the rim. And he's one of the best at doing that. So I think in today's NBA, he's, he's fitting that mold of what a defensive five should look like perfectly, really. So yeah, at plus a thousand for JJJ, I think that would probably be where my money would go to be perfectly honest absolutely although rudy gobert the jazz unintentionally gave him and his bid for defensive player of the year quite a boost recently when when he was out and they just got decimated (laughs) defensively night after night i mean no one expects much of hassan whiteside defensively these days i don't think but it looked pretty pretty bleak so uh, (laughs) rudy rudy for sure in the mix yeah I, i don't see draymond but hey I'm not voting on the award, so. All right, we'll end there. I'm off to record another of the aforementioned fantasy betting awards videos that you can find on our YouTube channel for NBC Sports Edge. Zach, thank you very much for filling in for Jared Johnson today. Jared, if you're listening, you were missed. We'll see you next week. And Zach, thank you very much for stepping in. I appreciate you having me, man. Thanks. You got it. We'll see you next week. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.